Hello, I'm Zara, a self-published author of young adult and new adult fiction, a publishing grad student at NYU and an aspiring literary agent. Hi, I'm Kelly, a genre hopping writer, domestic goddess, which is a fancy way of saying that I am a stay-at-home mom and wife, and I occasionally captain the Hot Mess Express. And this is Writish, the podcast by writers for writers, where we discuss craft and hot topics in the writing community. This season, we're also starting to get into some interviews with other writers and industry professionals, so we're very excited for that and hope you'll enjoy those episodes as much as we did recording them. I'm so excited to introduce Jessie Elliott, a fellow indie author who has written multiple series under her own name and has a pen name for spicier stories. I met her back in 2014 when I was an early reader slash critique partner for her book, The Devil's Waltz, which is finally going to be published in the near future. It has been rewritten from its original YA age category to be older and I'm very excited to see it when it finally comes. But Jessie also posts vlogs and sometimes hosts writing sprints on her YouTube channel, which will be linked in the show notes. Her website will be there too, where you can buy all of her books. And she also runs the annual COVID accepted Wander Writers Retreat. The first question that we have for you is, I know the answer to this, but our listeners might not. What are the subgenres you write in? Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, hi, everyone. Hello. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. The subgenres that I write in, primarily romance and then broken into paranormal romance is like my go-to. It's what I love to read and my favorite to write, but also some dark fantasy and also contemporary fantasy. I have one YA book that's contemporary fantasy. And I don't know, I guess my books toe the line between urban fantasy and paranormal romance. It kind of just depends on your opinion of what the genres are. But that's kind of it. I love the fantasy and paranormal stuff, all the stuff that we don't get to experience in our boring, mundane world. I love that shit. So what initially drew you into writing romance with these other genres? Oh, goodness. I think that I've always read romance. I don't think that I've been able to get through a book, school assignments aside, that did not have romance. I just think that love is such a big part of life. Naturally, it should exist in stories, and it does exist in the stories that I enjoy reading and writing. And it just felt right to me. I don't know that I've ever even tried to write a book without a heavy romantic subplot or main plot. I just don't think that I would enjoy it. And I think it would be really difficult to do for me. What is your favorite part about writing romance? Oh my gosh, my favorite part is actually the buildup, the will they won't they just like that tension between the main character and their love interest. Like I eat that up so much. And I mean, like I still enjoy it once they get together, but it's a different sort of relationship. Like there's a specific turning point usually. And it's like the before and the after they admit their feelings or they get together. But that buildup is my favorite part. So what do you like most about being a romance writer? That's like a loaded question. (laughs) 
gut response would be the community. And I mean the community in terms of all the amazing other romance authors that I've met through social media. I've never become friends with people so easily without having ever met them in real life. And I mean, most of the people that I've met and created lifelong friendships with is based from meeting on the internet, which I mean, growing up, I was always like warned about like, don't talk to strangers on the internet. And that's the majority of the friendships that I have curated as a young adult is a little funny. But long story short, I would say the community and just how supportive everyone always is. There's always someone that you can ask questions if you're unsure in different Facebook groups or different places online. And of course, everyone is always trying to level up, whether that's selling more books, writing more books, building their readership and stuff like that. But so far, I have yet to meet a person who is unwilling to reach a hand down and help you up which is really encouraging. That's so sweet. I love that. <laughs> I forget what, who said it. I don't know if it was on a Sarah LeBrat video, but it was like a rising tide raises all ships. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So our next question might be a little bit controversial because it is a debate online. Ooh, hit me with it. I want to know where you stand. Does romance always have to have an HEA, which for people who don't know, stands for happily ever after? Like, can you have a romance book where the couple doesn't end up together? Or is that something else? It's something else. It has to either be HEA or happy for now. If it's a series and book one doesn't necessarily need to end on, oh, they got together and they're so happy. It could end, in my opinion, with their relationship being in jeopardy. So long as by the end of their story arc being, if it's a standalone, that book, or if it's a series, the last book in the series, they need their happy ending. Otherwise, it's something else with potentially a romantic subplot, but that is not the focus of the story. Thank you for setting the record straight. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Don't come for me. Nah, it's how I feel too. <laughs> okay, cool. You're in good company. <laughs> What do you dislike the most about being a romance writer? Oh, gosh. Probably knowing that <laughs> the stories I'm writing, the good parts of them, and like those book boyfriends that we all love. Guys, they're not real. And it sucks. We're going to get to that. <laughs> so that's the hardest part, like writing these panty-dropping, swoon-worthy romances and knowing like, yes, romance exists in the world, but... You're probably, and I'm probably not going to find it to this level. It's fiction. Aww. So in the second episode of this season, our second season, we covered the differences between young adult, new adult, and adult fiction. And I feel like most people just assume it's level of sex. <laughs> So we figured as a romance writer, you'd have something to say because you have experience with writing all three. You want to talk about your mental division between those age categories. Going from writing a YA, These Wicked Delights, I thought it was going to be new adult and like a little steamier. And then I started writing it and I decided that it was YA. So going from writing a YA to then 
<laughs> just like turning up the heat, like in a, a crazy amount to write my first pen name book, which is, I guess it would be a new adult, but it is the steamiest thing that I've ever written. It was uncomfortable because <laughs> I'm going from writing these sweet moments and maybe a kiss and one fade to black scene to just having this main character. I don't even <laughs> don't know how much I want to say, but like it's reverse harem. <laughs> it's reverse harem. So if you don't know what that is, Google is your friend. But <laughs> yeah, I think I wouldn't necessarily say the the line in the sand is sex because more so these days you're seeing sex more in YA. Um, yes, it's tamer and authors I think are kind of describing how the character is feeling more so than what is physically happening. Whereas a new adult you're getting kind of like you're still getting those feelings, but you're also the author is telling you what they're doing to each other and how it's making them feel. But I also think that subject matter is important when distinguishing whether it's going to be YA or new adult or adult, because your main character in a YA novel doesn't have the same worries and conflicts as your main character in an adult. They don't have a mortgage to worry about. They don't have an abusive ex-husband who's not paying child support and stuff like that. And I think that get the water's a little muddied when it comes to new adults because of how it came to be you automatically pair a new adult with romance you're going to associate sex with that and that being the difference between YA and new adults or even adults but it doesn't even necessarily have to have anything to do with sex or what's going on between the characters but subject matter in general whether that being the conflict or the romance or whatever is kind of a distinguishing factor between the three What is your favorite romance tropes as a reader versus as a writer? I really like enemies to lovers. I was going to say, if you don't say that on your list, I'm going to call BS. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure enemies to lovers because what is more delicious than that fine, fine line between hate and love. And honestly, like you don't even need to love the other person. Like sometimes it's just really freaking hot when two people hate each other, but their sexual chemistry is just off the freaking charts. It's so good and I eat it up. It's so good. What else? I really like mid to fast burn romance. I don't know. I guess that's not really a trope, but slow burn, (laughs) I appreciate it, but I don't think that I write it very well, and I also don't enjoy it all that much. For the most part, I can't say I dislike all of it. And then another trope that I really, really like is forced proximity. (laughs) Because, like, (laughs) it's very interesting both when writing to see what the hell these characters are going to do when they're forced to be close to each other when they don't want to be. Or, you know, even if they want to be, but they shouldn't. Because that, the forbidden stuff is just mm, chef kiss. It's so good and I love it. And I guess, like, I have in the last couple of years really gotten in darker man taboo stuff i'm still not super well versed in all of it there's some pretty twisted shit out there but the not safe for work age gap i really like and if it's done well and it really really depends for me i don't know how much time i want to get into because it says a lot about a person but yeah that's just to name a few (laughs) 
<laughs> I need to still be employed after this podcast. Yes, yes. We promise you will still have a job. <laughs> or at the very least, this will not be what gets you fired. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, so you have a self-publishing insider tier on your Patreon, and it hurts me to say that platform's name because you really should switch to Kofi. <laughs> I know, I hear it all the time. From me, I know. <laughs> but would you mind giving us a little peek behind the curtain? Tell us a little bit about your experience of being a self-published author. Everybody's going to have a slightly different experience, but for me so far, it's been an uphill climb. Anytime you look at an indie author, their social media stuff, you're only seeing the stuff that we curate and decide to show you. So you're not seeing the sleepless nights and the mental breakdowns that we have over plot and deadlines and all that fun stuff. But indie publishing has been the best decision I could have made for myself. I firmly believe that. But it is also the most challenging thing that I have ever done. Very briefly, at the very beginning, considered traditional publishing, but kind of quickly decided that that wasn't for me with slow timelines. And with traditional, it's someone else's timeline that you're stuck on. So my experience as an indie author has been slow to start and then all of a sudden chaotic to no one's fault but my own because I control everything and I decide when things are going to be written and published and revealed and all that stuff. I've tried to adopt rapid release method in my pen name series. Hopefully we'll do that in the Devil's Vault series starting in the fall. Ooh. <laughs> I mean... Being an indie author allows us to do that, right? And kind of give the readers what they want faster, which they like. Because let me tell you, it will be two months in between my book one and book two release for my pen name series. And readers are chomping at the bit. And in hindsight, I probably should have had the first few books written before I started releasing because now I've put that pressure and those time constraints on myself to write and polish this book into something that I'm pleased and ready to release. I think between interviewing you and the rest of our romance authors this season, uh, we might just convert Kelly to want to be an indie author. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would be open to being a hybrid author, but it's going to have to be traditional route for me. Yeah. I get that. And you know what? I appreciate you not having the mindset of I'm going to query and try to get an agent. But if I don't, then I guess I'll just self-publish it just to get it out there. I hate when people say to me stuff like that as it's like a backup plan because it's like, no, you're thinking it's the easy way out. In some ways, it's far more challenging than traditional publishing could ever be because not only are you the author, you're also the editor, could be the cover designer if you have graphic design work. Please don't try to, you know, do your own covers if you don't. You're going to be doing proofreads. You're going to be doing formatting. You're going to be doing marketing, social media. You are playing all the bases. Your whole team is you and whoever you decide to kind of outsource to for those like professional services that you shouldn't be doing yourself but a lot of people I have seen do see it as like a oh if it's not good enough for traditional publishing you know it's good enough for self-publishing 
And I feel like that just gives other self-published authors a bad taste. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well, this other book that I read, it was self-published and they might not be as excited to pick up another self-published author who could have done everything properly in the right way. Because that is one of the things that I don't want to say, like, it makes me shy away from self-publishing because I know I'm not good at wearing multiple hats and my stress levels. It's not good for that. But I think it's amazing whenever I can see other authors who just thrive in all the chaos because (laughs) I don't do chaos. I think whatever way you go, and not just you, Kelly, but like anyone who's listening to this, you can't go in without having researched it. Absolutely. And I think that you should research both sides, even if you're pretty sure you're going to stick to one, because like Kelly said, like she might want to do hybrid at some point or Kate Kavanaugh. She was going to do traditional first, and then she was going to do indie. And then it turns out that she's like doing indie with her pen name. And there are some books that she thinks she's going to do indie under Kate Kavanaugh, which is also a pen name. I guess I should have said that. The ones that she's already published are under a romance pen name, which I don't think she will ever share on her YouTube channel, which sucks because I really want to read her stuff. And then she's also going to try for traditional for certain types of stories. And I had queried way too early the earlier version of the Belgrave Legacy back when that book itself was going to be a trilogy. And I wound up changing a lot by the time that you get the book that is now available. But I had done research on indie publishing for two years after having done research on traditional publishing for like five years. And the two years was enough to make me realize I wanted to do indie. But Yeah, you shouldn't be like, oh, it's easier. So I'll just do that. Because like Jesse said, you are taking on a lot of responsibility. And you're basically creating a small business. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, right? Because like, not only do you have all the responsibility and have to do all the work, but you're fronting the bill, right? Like, it's not free to self publish. Yes, you can do it on a budget. But there are still things that you should, in my opinion, be paying for, including a professional cover and professional editing because if not like that's the sort of thing publishing a book that's not been professionally edited and has a cover that you just you know slap together and paint or even canva like that's the sort of thing that gives indie authors a bad reputation for producing and releasing products that do not necessarily they're not good (laughs) in simple terms but yeah I think it's definitely a decision that you should be making based off of research that you have done and not just something you decide on a whim. Amen. (laughs) Sorry, I have small children running around right now, which is probably another reason why I shy away from indie publishing is because I'm already doing the most as a mother. And I'm okay with slow timelines because that gives me time to do mom stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, next question. So we talked about some tropes and stuff that you like as a reader of romance and as a writer of romance. And you touched on a trope or a type of romance that you will probably never write. And I think that was slow burn. So could you elaborate a little bit more on like other tropes that you might not ever write in the romance genre? I don't know. The whole 
I don't I don't know how this is gonna sound, but I don't enjoy like the pregnancy trope, like the girl has like a one night stand and then finds out that she got pregnant with this guy that she doesn't know. And like I think I firmly believe that it's just at the stage of life that I am in currently. I mean, I'm twenty four years old. I am, you know, still building my career in the corporate world, still building a life for myself as an independent person that the whole trope of adding responsibility like I don't even want to touch it I don't want to think about it because that's not something that I can at all relate to at where I am in life so that's one for sure I'm the same way and you know Kelly is our age we're all the same age yeah like it's very different culturally for her Mm -hmm. and it's also not a random one night stand. So I don't think that she'd necessarily want that either. Yeah. I don't worry about like offending Kelly or anyone else out there. We're just talking about personal preference. It just goes to show like how, you know, we're talking about it within fiction. We're not saying that like, yeah. Oh, if this happened to you, you're a bad person or whatever. It's just, yeah. I was just thinking about symbols of character and Zara, you know, a little bit about that plot. And I'm just thinking, Ooh, Jesse might not want to read that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I think she'd still like it because it, like, the drama and the Cinderella aspects to it. But also, we're all writer friends, so she might be able to put aside her dislike of the trope to read it. Yeah. And that's not to say, like, I'll never, like, read a book with that. I have read not necessarily that specific, like, One Night Stand turns into a pregnancy, turns into, like, mom. But, yeah, I guess just the whole pregnancy trope right now is something that I'm just not something that I am driven to want to write or it's not, like, I wouldn't pick up a book if I knew that that was in it. What else? I guess this is something that has come up a lot on book talk and book Twitter. The miscommunication trope, people are just so sick of it. And I, to some extent, agree. Like if it's, wow, these characters would have absolutely no conflict at all if they just had one simple conversation, but they're not going to, so we can continue the story. It bugs me so much. Yeah. There can be a legitimate reason. Oh, for sure. Something happens and then like someone turns off their phone or something or they have no cell service. Yeah. That's a reason outside of their control. Mm-hmm. The miscommunication can be prolonged or whatever. But when it's just like, I'm too mad at them to ask them what they meant. And it's like, really? That's it? Yeah. And like, perhaps that could work in like YA because of like the age group that it's supposed to be. But if you're telling me two grown-ass adults are choosing to do that and that's why, that's the only conflict, that's the reason why the, the main conflict of the book is not being resolved, hell no, I know. I'm so out. Like, that is absolutely ridiculous. Do we want to move to the next question or do you have more in, that you're just dying to vent about? Oh, man, I don't even know. No, I'm good. We can move on. <laughs> So you've written series like the Twisted series, and you have written a standalone in These Wicked Delights. Do you have a preference or does it depend on the specific story that you're telling? Well, after I finished my first series, which is the Twisted series, I was like, oh, no, you know, I think standalone is where it's at because you have one book to just say everything and then you don't have to worry about like continuity through several books. And then I wrote a standalone and I was like, wow, I 
did not enjoy that as much as I was hoping I was going to because you have to wrap everything up before you write the end. I would 100% say series, not only from a creative point of view, because you have longer to explore character arcs and relationships and different conflicts throughout a series, but also from a business perspective, because series just sell better, right? Like you can have someone find your book one in a 10 book series after, you know, all 10 books are out. And then they've got nine other books to read in your backlist. And I think especially as an indie author in the current industry, it is so important to build your backlist if you are trying to make a decent income from your writing. And I mean, that's not to say like, hey, if you're, uh, you know, just in this to make a quick buck, write a series and you'll be making millions of dollars. Publishing is the wrong thing to get into if you're hoping for, you know, a quick money don't do it but series just gives you so much more potential and so much more opportunity i think so series all the way so making our full circle moment does crafting the perfect love interest for your characters affect your romantic life at all I'm bold of you to assume I have a romantic life. We told you it was coming. I think, yeah. Talk about high expectations. Like, I'll just be single forever because no one is ever going to live up to, like, the book boyfriends that I read about and the ones that, you know, I create. Also, I feel kind of bad for my future husband. Like, I'm going to force this guy, this guy that I have not met yet, to read my books and be like, this is... Like, not your competition, but also sort of, you know, the shadow that you will forever live in. Like, man, I feel bad for that guy. But this is the standard. And we live in a world where yeah, the bar is on the floor and people still dig to avoid it. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like most of the romance authors who like I read it the, about the author at the back of the book, it's like, oh, lives with their husband. I'm like, you were already married before you started romance, weren't you? <laughs> I even know some romance authors who whose husbands work for them. Yeah, I love that for them. <laughs> I know. It's so awesome. It is. I want to ask about like what distribution channel you get the most sales. Yeah, I mean, I think the decision to enroll your books in Kindle Unlimited or to take them wide. So to have them available on like Kobo or Google Play or Nook and iBooks. It's a very personal decision and it's also a business decision. If your books are in Kindle Unlimited, it's just the ebook that's exclusive, which is like Vera was saying how the Charlie Travesty serial is exclusive to Amazon. You can't buy the ebook anywhere else, but other forms, like if you have it available in paperback or hardcover or audio, those you can have other places aside from Amazon. I can't sit here and tell you that one or the other is a better decision for you personally. I think it depends on what you're writing what your release schedule is like, where you are in your journey, whether this is your debut or your 50 books in. There are so many moving parts 
and things that go into it that is going to determine your success, how much marketing efforts you're going to put into it. I chose for my pen name to put my debut series into Candle Unlimited, mainly because no one knows that name, that author. They don't care. They're not supporting that name because they know it's me and they want to support me as a person. They want to read that book. They don't care who it's by. It's that that story sounds great. I need to read it. And I have been very successful with Kindle Unlimited for my pen name series thus far. I mean, it's only been just over a month. I want to say that we're recording this episode very in advance of this episode dropping. It's a super personal decision whether or not, and it's not a permanent one. Like if you decide to go into Kindle Unlimited, you're signing up for 90 days. After that 90 days, if you decide, hey, like this isn't as good as I thought it would be, I think I'll get more sales from different channels. I'm going to take my book wide and offer it to readers who don't necessarily read Kindle or they're not members of KU. I've done both. I've seen success in both. Personally, for me right now, I just want to put my books where I think my target audience is most likely to find them. In this quarter, for me, I'm not spending a lot of effort on social media. Amazon pushes your books more if they're in Kindle Unlimited because it obviously benefits them more. So that was kind of the decision that drove, or that was the reason that drove my decision to put the Twisted series back in Kindle Unlimited for the time being. I have kept these Wicked Delights wide because it is a standalone and it's young adult and there's just some different other reasons. And I have not yet decided if the the Devil's Trilogy is going to go into Kindle Unlimited or wide. I might do a limited wide release for the first week that it, it will be wide. Thereafter, it will be enrolled in KDP. Haven't decided yet. I still have some time, but yeah. It's another another area where I would say do your research, talk to other authors and see their reasoning behind it. And then ultimately you need to make that decision for yourself. So moving on to the next question, what do you want to see more of in this genre from other writers? Ooh, that's tough. I would just love to continue seeing the bending of the rules. The whole like guilty pleasure thing, I hate that notion. I think especially as women, we're like, you know, shunned from taking pleasure in anything. So I would just love to continue seeing authors say like, screw this. This is what I'm writing. This is what I like because book talk, especially like spicy book talk has made it like so clear that we're all kind of freaks. And you know what, like, why are we hiding what we like? This world is dark and can be very cruel. Just let people like what they like and, you know, live your own life. So yeah, pushing boundaries, I think is really important in the romance genre. And I just love to see it and I hope that that continues and that more writers are feeling more comfortable to write what they really want to write and share that because I promise if you like it more people than you might think will too We're getting to the final stretch of our questions. We keep circling around to this thing because you're a romance author. I'm a romance author. And it's just kind of fun to ask these questions. Which character of yours would you date if they were real? Oh, my God. Who's your future husband up against the most? Oh, no. (laughs) 
Let me think about this for a second because I feel like in a perfect world, it would be like a combination of. No, 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 no. That's not the question. (laughs) Sarah, oh my God. It's which of your characters as they are. Fine. Oh gosh. Okay, fine. I'm going to go with Nikolai. Damn. <laughs> Who did you think I was going to say? I didn't have a... Okay. But I'm thinking as someone who's read all of your guys. I mean, you couldn't go wrong with any of them. That's kind of the point. <laughs> but yeah, Nikolai is good. Yeah. I just... He'd also save your ass if anything came up. Yeah. He's got his like sweet, caring side, but also like a bit of a darker side too. I don't know. At least it's not like you're going to be going to war against him. This is true. Yeah. I have no background contents to any of this because I have not gone around to reading any of Jesse's books yet. I know. Terrible. (laughs) I was listening. Jesse, whenever you were explaining like, oh yeah, like I just, he's so sweet and he has the sweet side, but then, and you pause to say like darker side. I'm like, just say it. He could rail you really good. Oh, absolutely. He would also be very good at extracurricular activities. Oh, is that what they're calling it now? (laughs) That's the PG version. (laughs) All right. So the next question after that, that steamy last one. Hey, I didn't say it had to be steamy. We just took it there. But like. Yeah. I mean, Kelly put it out there and we are talking about romance. So there wasn't a different expectation. Exactly. Do we expect anything less from us? (laughs) What's the natural direction? Let's just call a spade a spade. Okay. If you were to dive into romantic retellings, which story would you put your own spin on? Well, I can't talk a lot about this. So you guys, you can get mad at me. Kelly has been telling me for the past month, oh, I'm working on something secret, but I can't tell you. And then I'm like, great. Awesome. So you can say as much or as little as you want. (laughs) The secret stuff. Yeah. I have something very, very early in the work that is a dark retelling with a friend of mine. Is it going to be under pen name or Jesse? Not sure yet. Okay, so, oh, it's really at the early stages. Yeah, like, came into existence yesterday. Okay, well, everyone really needs to follow you on social media because even if it ends up being under your pen name, you kind of, you're one of those people who's like, oh, yeah, I'm working on my pen name thing. Yeah, I mean, it will probably be under my name, but... We shall see. It's a dark fairy tale retelling with reverse harem elements. You're really loving that reverse harem. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's why I would think that it could possibly be under my pen name. But for other reasons who I am going to be writing this with, it's possible that it will be under my name. What female protagonist do you align yourself most with? It's not necessarily this is my self-insert. You know, maybe one you'd want to be your best friend or just like she'd be cool at a party. We'll hold your hair if you're drunk in a bathroom at some club, (laughs) whatever type of thing. It doesn't have to be I see myself in this person. Like out of my character? Yeah. Oh, that's hard because of course there's little bits of me in all of them, but like most like, um, 
I would probably have to say Aurora. I mean, some of the decisions that she made, I would not have made. But I think overall, in terms of her drive to achieve what she wants in life, her attitude and her staff, probably most like Aurora. And then the one that I would want to be friends with is probably Skylar because she has wicked fashion sense and she's kind of a bitch sometimes but like if she's your friend she's got your back your enemies should watch out she's ride or die yeah yeah How do you feel after finishing your first draft? And this could be like your first draft ever or just like your first draft in the process of all of the books. Drafting is my favorite part of the process other than daydreaming and brainstorming random scenes that I want to include in it. Part of me feels a little lost, like especially because of the way that I schedule my releases and my writing time. It's usually crunch time by the end of drafting. So I'm writing chapters back to back to back, spending all my free time on that. So I do feel a little lost, like, oh, now what? Like, obviously, there's still work to do with editing and stuff. But that part of the process, the door is closed. And I don't have something immediately that I need to finish. It's also very exciting because that drafting is the bulk of the work. I am an underwriter in my first draft, and I do add a lot of content in my revisions in terms of scene details and character appearance and stuff. For me, that stuff takes a backseat to like the dialogue and stuff like that's happening and I think just like adding that in during revisions is where I beef up my word count but for the most part it's kind of that split feeling of being accomplished like hey I just finished another book yes there's a ton of work left to do but you know the bulk of it is done and then the feeling of loss you are an indie published author and we were talking about timelines and such earlier with indie publishing versus traditional publishing. How much quicker do you have the process now that you're like X amount of years in versus whenever you were just starting? It's definitely streamlined for sure. There is hope everyone. I've proven it and Jesse has proven it more than even I have. Yeah, I think I wouldn't say practice makes perfect, but practice makes better. You find out what works for you and what doesn't and what is going to help you get that book out faster. Because like I said, I'm a big fan of rapid release, much as like learning how to do it better because two months in between release is not rapid. In that sense of rapid release, it's much, much quicker than traditional publishing, but still not as quick as I would like it to be. Rapid release is multiple within a month or once a month, right? It really depends on who you ask. Some people would say three or four weeks or six weeks. Every six weeks is still, I think, considered rapid release, but I'm not 100% certain of that. But I think your biggest advantage to putting in the time publishing and like years of experience is really crafting your process to work for you. If you're looking at this as a business as opposed to, oh, I just write books for fun. Whenever you are planning for rapid release, how long it would take you to write all the books for that series so we could release it all within the same month? Oh, gosh. I would love to. And I think my next series under this pen name, it's going to be a, well, it's either going to be a spinoff to this series or a 
dark contemporary romance series. Not going to be as long as this one, but I think my tactic will be to write and edit all the books before I even publish the first one. But I would like to give myself probably a month per book. So maybe four months in total, like if it's three books, which I think it is, and then publish one book every three weeks. Like I'm not 100% sure yet, but yeah, I think that would be the way to go next time is to write them all and then have them all ready to go before I hit publish on book one. And if those books are starting to come out, then obviously just check Jessie's social media because she'll probably be talking about like, oh, this is what I'm doing for my pen name, even if she doesn't like outright say it. Mm -hmm. But also you saying it is not writing it in stone. (laughs) Yeah. Kelly is the best suited to being able to write full-time currently but life happens so anything that we say on this podcast is subject to change what advice would you give to writers who are trying to get into the genre maybe they've written another genre before or maybe they've been trying to think of what story they want to write and they finally landed on i think it's a romance what is your advice to first-time romance writers do your research spend some time and familiarize yourself with the genre in terms of the books that are being published and doing well that's coming from like the business side of things writing to market is something that's the choice that some authors can make and there's lots of craft books out there that are romance specific i have read write naked by jennifer probe and Theodora Taylor just released one on universal fantasies, and I think those are really important in romance books. Just read a lot of the genre that you want to write. Teach yourself the popular tropes, the ones that you like to read are probably going to be the ones that you like to write. And reading those books will help you learn the reader expectations, which are the things that readers want to see and expect to see from the genre so that you know what you should be including. Including happily ever after and or happy for now, like we talked about earlier. That's right. Figure out what you want to write because my biggest thing is always write the book that you want to read because you're going to be reading it a lot. You're going to be spending a lot of time with it. So you better enjoy it or it's going to feel more like a chore than a passion. I know some traditionally published authors write underneath a pen name because sometimes the next stories that you're moving to, if your name's already associated with romance, but now you want to jump into sci-fi, not every author can just still put their name on it. Mm -hmm. With self-publishing, is that also another reason why some self-published authors might need to write underneath the pen name since they are themselves a brand? Absolutely. I attended the Romance Author Mastermind Conference last year, and that was was something that was discussed one of the authors was talking about how readers will not follow like if you're known for writing let's say cowboy romances and then you write something that's like a businessman in a big city you're shifting out of what readers know you for and they're going to be like okay cool but when is the next cowboy books coming if you're writing a series and then all of a sudden you're writing like a different series or a standalone people are going to do the same thing like cool but when is the next blah 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 coming so that is a decision that I know that some authors have made to distinguish the 
subgenres that they're writing if they're super different. And my reasoning for the most part was because of my full-time job and my professional corporate life. It made me feel more comfortable to explore my creativity. I guess I had that layer of privacy to do it in. It's kind of like a safety net. Like you don't have to... Yeah. Also with the readership, not following. It's something strange, I guess, but if you are writing in fantasy and you have a loyal fantasy following, but now you want to jump to like contemporary or something, if those readers are just wanting to read this genre, it makes sense that it wouldn't cross over. Exactly, yeah. There are exceptions like Jennifer L. Armentrout, who does use a pen name for like her different age uh, categories. She used to. She doesn't anymore. Well, she ha- She used to have Jaylin for like new adult and adult stuff. Right. How do I say this? Like you grow up with the writer in a way, like the writer's writing. So you're okay with things getting a little bit more serious in whatever way you want to take that. Mm-hmm. But then you also like, I've been lucky in that I think because I kind of set out from the very beginning, I have always said, this is what I've written and this is what I've self-published, but I have a lot of other stories in different genres. So people know to expect that I'm not always going to be. And one thing, and granted at the time of this recording, I only have two trilogies out and they're both romance. One is sci-fi and one is paranormal. And Kelly, you've told me this, that like my sci-fi doesn't really feel like too sci-fi-y or whatever, because I think I've leaned more heavily on the romance for both of those I think if you can find fans of who you are as a writer that's great but like Jesse said in general that's not the case so it is something you always have to think about and it's always balancing the difference between the best business decision and the best decision for you as a writer because like Jesse said like you're going to be reading your story a lot so if you're not happy with what you're going to be doing it's not a great situation no and readers are going to know they're going to be able to read it and know that wow the author really did not enjoy writing this you can tell by how it feels when you're reading it if you enjoyed writing it or not I'm just curious because like Zara and I were talking the other day about one of the stories I was writing and she was talking about like my voice I never knew I had an author voice until I had someone tell me and I was very relieved because I know how important that is. Yeah. What happens if whenever you're writing and then underneath your pen name, another reader be like, hmm, this style feels very familiar to me. I mean, it is what it is. Do I think people will figure it out at some point? Yeah. I don't think that I'm being super sneaky sneak over here. I'm not really concerned about readers finding out my pen name, but I'm not going to advertise it. I like that. Something I always teased one of my aunts about growing up was watching Hallmark movies. So as a romance writer, I wanted to know your stance on Hallmark. I think they're amazing. Do they use the same actors to tell basically the same story in 15 different movies? Absolutely. Am I going to watch all 15 of them and thoroughly enjoy myself? Absolutely. You know, it's it's comforting knowing what's going to happen and getting that. And I think that's a huge reason why people enjoy the romance genre so much is because they know that they're going to get that happily ever after or the happy for now. And yes, Hallmark is extremely formulaic, but it works for them because they know that that's what their audience wants. 
and what they flock to. I mean, they've proven it year and year again. Like, this is what we want and they're giving it to us. So we're going to keep coming back. I would sit there and watch them with her and I would sit through it. And it was like, I was telling her, I was like, you know, this is kind of the same as the last movie we just got done watching. And she's like, shh, watch. This is different. And I was like, is it though? Is it different? It's absolutely not different. It's cookie cutter, like mirror images of each other. But no, it's not something that I'm going to sit down and then watch. And once it's over, I'm going to think about it for days after and be like, you know, pulling it apart and analyzing it. It's something I'm going to sit down and just like zone right out. I'm not going to worry about what's going on in my life that sucks. I'm going to watch these two beautiful people fall in love you know, it's going to snow at the perfect time. They're going to bake cookies, end up together just in time for Christmas. And it's going to be great. And I think it goes back to what you were saying, Jesse, about like, you don't like guilty pleasures because especially women, we are shunned for liking anything or taking joy and stuff. Mm -hmm. I did a project on Hallmark movies and Netflix movies. We kind of compared the two. And and I say we because it was a group project and I did it with a partner who absolutely loves Hallmark movies. And I personally don't, but I'm never going to knock anyone for liking something unless it's like morally bad which hallmark is definitely not (laughs) and there is a market for everything yeah no kidding i'm surprised they're even sitting down to watch it because a lot of the research that i found out was like most people just have it on in the background while they're vacuuming or baking you know what i might do this is just an idea that i got zara you know how these ideas form for me (laughs) i might make a pagan winter romance i would read that (laughs) i will have to write this down on my list of many other stories that i would like to write (laughs) do it you so much for being here with us jesse thank you for having me if you ever want to come back we have a lot of episodes planned kelly and i for future seasons and we actually do not have a already conceived way to get you back on here (laughs) absolutely this is the writish podcast and we'll be back with another episode next week when we'll be doing a early 25th birthday celebration for kelly woo And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Writish Podcast, on Twitter at write underscore ish, and on Kofi at writish. Bye. Bye.